You know what? We were so excited when we found out we were coming out here to uh, see all of you guys and uh, to be with the Keeleys. Uh, we were so excited because we have known each other for a long time. And I know you realize what a treasure you have in the Keeleys. Uh, they have served the Lord so faithfully so many years. And when they were at West Coast, they were such a blessing. I know Brother Keeley was one of the favorite Bible teachers and the people would go to him for counsel because he had been a pastor already. Uh, some of our Bible teachers haven't been a pastor yet. And so he had experience that others didn't have. And he was a very valuable staff member and a faculty member. And then Joy was just running the church offices. She's, so, <laughs> she's such a great secretary. And uh, we, they'd move her around to where they needed her the most. I know. <laughs> so uh, she uh, she was very valuable. And when I heard that they were, I'm going to cry thinking about it right now, that they were thinking about leaving. I said, what? <laughs> that, that can't be true. <laughs> it can't be true. And here it is. It's true. They left us. I can't believe they left us. But you guys are the recipients of that. So I know you know to be thankful for that and you should be because they are quality people. That's for sure. And it's great to be at your church. I've enjoyed so much seeing y'all up here just making fools of yourself. It's awesome. <laughs> just having a great time and just letting your hair down and having a wonderful time. And I really enjoyed that and, and seeing your marriages and just that you can have a good time together and enjoy uh, being in a Christian environment and serving the Lord and living for the Lord. It's a wonderful life, isn't it? To be a Christian and to be in church and uh, and to be in this church. I, I'm excited to go to your church tomorrow morning and I'm really excited to be there. Thank you so much for the gift bags and the goodies and how many really ate your cupcake at midnight last night for your midnight you really did eat it at midnight oh my word okay <laughs> that was a good cupcake that's for sure but <laughs> i have to tell you i was coming off of rita's in the afternoon how many of you like rita's i didn't get to see how many i love rita's and so when they said rita's i said oh i want to go there and they really did i didn't really think they would do that but uh, i got to go to rita's and i had the cupcake so whoo I tell you, this morning I only had oatmeal. I left the room this morning. My husband wasn't going to eat because we've been eating so much. So I said, well, I'll go get a little bit. I need a little something to eat in the morning. And I said, well, I'll go down. And I didn't realize when I left, he was in the bathroom with the door shut. So as I left, I just thoughtlessly took the key out of the little thing by the door that makes all the lights work. <laughs> So, so when I came back and I just got my oatmeal and came back up, was going to eat it in the room since he wasn't going down. So fortunately, I did that. I was only gone for a short time. So when, since we're at a couples retreat, he was very nice to me. <laughs> he said, how does my hair look? He said, I couldn't tell if I was using shampoo or conditioner because I was in the pitch black. That <laughs> all my word. <laughs> so I'm glad we were at a couples retreat so he didn't uh, just get all over me for that. But that was great. And I have to tell you, he told you last night when he's on the phone and I'm over there writing things down. I know that seems like a little bit of detail control, but this is what happens and it may happen to you. You know, he, like the other day he was talking to our son and so I'm listening to this one-sided conversation. Of course, as a mom, I want to know everything that they're saying. And so usually I say, put it on speakerphone. <laughs> but, but that particular day I didn't. So, you know, I'm writing down. So when he got off the phone, I said, well, how's Mark? First of all, he gets off the phone and hangs it up and that's it. I'm, I'm just waiting to see if he will volunteer the information, you know. Well, he doesn't. So I say, well, how's Mark? Good. 
well, how's everything going? Fine. Well, what's happening? She's getting ready for the wedding. So, and so I've written it down, his responses. So I say, okay, now what was he saying when you said, uh, oh, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. What was so awesome? <laughs> he said, oh, somebody gave them $5,000 for their wedding. I said, oh, well, I'm glad I was able to trigger your memory. <laughs> so you would remember to tell me that. <laughs> and that's really true. <laughs> so anyway, I do. I do that when I hear him talking to one of our kids or something. I'll be right making notes <laughs> so I can remind him. Now, what did they say when you were saying this and so forth? So, <laughs> but you know, men, they see the big picture, generally speaking, and women see the details. So uh, that's very true in our family. And it could be there's, I know our pastor, he's a very detail-oriented person. In fact, his secretary told me one time, you know, Pastor Chapel really should have been a secretary. <laughs> 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 yeah, he sees every detail and knows every detail and so forth. But uh, most of the time, it's the other way around. But uh, anyway, I'm glad to be here. I have a few things about men that will help you appreciate your man. I know you appreciate your man. But uh, here are a few things I thought was pretty good. Did you know that your man will produce up to a half a gallon of sweat daily. <laughs> that's why you want him to take a shower. Tell him that's why you take a shower. <laughs> Did you know that even though man is not faster than any animal on earth, he can outrun any other species for long distances. So he's built for the long run. So that's a good thing. Did you know that his body is so efficient that if it ran on gasoline, he would get 900 miles per gallon? <laughs> so I say, let's just ride in piggyback. <laughs> Save a lot of gas. <laughs> Did you know the typical male is married and would marry his same spouse again? He cries about once a month, approximately one fourth as often as a woman, and he usually tries to hide it. So you may not see it. Did you know a typical man eats his corn on the cob in circles rather than straight across? So you have to check that one out. <laughs> Did you know that men snore more? And maybe you heard that last night. Uh, they fight more. They change their minds more often than women do. Their blood is redder. Their daylight vision is superior. They have thicker skin and longer vocal cords. So that's why they have that deep. That's why we'd rather hear men sing than women, usually, because they have a deep voice and it just sound, resonates better. Their metabolic rate is higher. More of them are left-handed. They feel pain less than women. So God should have made them have the babies. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I say God does everything just right. They age earlier but wrinkle later. Their immunity against disease is weaker. They talk about themselves less, but worry about themselves more. Have you ever got a headache and then your husband gets one? Or have you got a little tummy ache? Oh, my tummy's hurting too. Or, so, I have to be careful what I say because I don't want him to get it too. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> and then, you know, how many real men does it take to change a light bulb? Zero, because real men are not afraid of the dark. So, <laughs> so those are some cute things about men that help us appreciate them more. We're, we're thankful for our men, aren't we? We really are. So uh, we're glad that God brought them into our life. They're not perfect, but neither are we. So uh, what can we say? So uh, we just work it out. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll look at our outline. Dear Father, thank you for this time that we can learn to live biblically. And I pray you'll help us today to do that and to uh, fulfill your dream and your goal when you founded marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, let's look at some of our verses first. I think you have a couple verses in your outline there. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. We need to remind ourselves of that. Uh, Ephesians 5, 25 also, uh, you don't have that one, but let me just read it. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. So think about this. For the, the love that we should have for each other, what what does Christ want from his church? What does he want from us? He wants us to believe in him, doesn't he? He wants us to trust him. He wants us to follow him and to love him. And that's what we should do in a marriage. We should trust our husband and believe in him and love him and follow him because the, that was the parallel that God made uh, for us. He wants our husband should be our hero. So also, uh, Ephesians 5.33 says, Wives, see that ye reverence your husband. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So we're just to see to it. Just like we tell our children, you know, do this and I'll see to it that you do it. And that's what God is saying to us. Uh, where reverence means to admire, to respect, to hold in the highest regard, to be in awe of. Is that how you look at your husband? And I know we smell his dirty socks and we wash his dirty underwear and uh, we see his clothes on the floor and so forth. So a lot of times that awe and that respect, sometimes it crawls off that altar, doesn't it? It does. And so, but the Bible says, see to it that we do that. Proverbs 12, 4 says, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. You know, these days we have a lot of aggressive women and too many passive men. I mean, it's just our culture, I think. Uh, we can blame it on the culture uh, if we want to, but we need to be careful about that. We can be aggressive in the bedroom. That's a good place to be aggressive. We're going to talk just a little bit about that today. Uh, but let's just work on that. If your husband is a passive man, then you be passiver. Is that a word? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm going to be passiver than you are. <laughs> no, I had a lady one time tell me after a couple's retreat, she said, you know, my husband, he is, it's his job to pay the bills. We've determined that, but he won't pay the water bill. He has not paid the water bill. And I keep looking at it and thinking, you know, they're going to turn the water off if he doesn't want And so then usually I just get them and pay them uh, because he's not doing it. I said, well, you know, just one time, let it go. And if that's his job and that's the agreement, you know, whatever you're supposed to do uh, and let let them turn the water off. And then I bet it won't happen again because he'll learn. Uh, so anyway, we need God's wisdom with that. I know we do, but I know we need to be conscious of that, that there's just a lot of that uh, these days. And so we need to really work about that, work on that. Our topic today is what every husband wants his wife to know. And I know on our honeymoon, when my husband and I got married 37 years ago, uh, it'll be 38 in May, uh, I learned right away what husbands want their wives to know. 
we were we went to Hawaii. My mother-in-law was a Christian school principal, so bless her heart, uh, her little kids that were still in the school. My husband's the oldest of seven, so all the other little kids in the school for the candy sale that year. She set it up. Whoever won the candy sale would go to Hawaii, a free trip for two. So she made her kids sell all the candy, and they won. <laughs> so so the little kids won a trip for us to go to Hawaii. So we got to go to Hawaii for free for uh, seven days. So we were so excited. And my husband is so tight. He squeaks when he walks. And I am so tight. I squeak when I walk. So we are both so tight. So we were so excited about this free trip that we didn't have to spend any money on. So we're over there and and we were just walking everywhere. And my husband saw a sign uh, that said, uh, if you go to this timeshare presentation, you get a free car for three days. So he thought, oh, he's, he's a salesman and he loves to say no. He knows how to say no. So uh, he said, let's do that. So uh, we were tired of walking and we wanted to see the rest of the island, but we didn't want to pay for a car. So we went to the timeshare presentation. And of course, he told him no. And uh, we've been to many, many since then. So in our 37 years. <laughs> but um, we got a free car for three days. And that car was put, put, putting around the island. It went like 40 miles an hour. I think they gave us the cheapest one on the lot. But that's what we deserved. So <laughs> we were put, putting around the island. And uh, so he, we're talking and like young couples do and married couples. And he said, I tell you what, why don't you tell me three things that you want me to work on? And then I'll tell you three things that I want you to work on. I said, oh, okay. So, you know, immediately i thought of three things I wanted him to work on. So, so, <laughs> so I told him. So he listened very carefully and quietly. And then I said, okay, now you tell me. And I really did want him to tell me. And so he looked over at me as he was driving and he said, nothing, you are perfect. Oh. <laughs> I said, I said, wham. <laughs> so I learned right then one thing that a husband doesn't want you to do is to criticize him. And I had hurt him by telling him those things. And so I learned right away there are some things I needed to know to help him. So some of these things I'm going to share with you are because of mistakes that I have made. <laughs> and uh, and I want you to uh, be helped by then. So these are some practical ways that we can show that we do believe in him, that we trust him, that we want to follow him, that we respect him, that we love him. Uh, so let's look at a few things here. Number one, uh, some things that our husband wants us to know. He wants you to know that he feels threatened when you give your opinion or a suggestion. And that's what my husband, he felt threatened when I told him some things I thought he wanted uh, that, that I wanted him to work on because he wants to be trusted. He wants to be respected. I read this in a book one time. It says most husbands can handle about one suggestion every six months. So, <laughs> so we need to work on that. You, you'd think, you know, my husband wants to know this. He, he would want to know. He doesn't want to know. He doesn't. There are other ways that we can tell him. So let's be careful about that because he feels threatened by it. Number two, he wants you to know that he doesn't want to be corrected. And I learned that on our honeymoon. I remember also shortly after we married, my husband teaches history as well. At our college, he teaches Bible and education and history. And um, 
when we were dating, I took his history class. I had already taken history when I went to college, but um, I just wanted to sit in on his classes to get to know him better and so forth. So, and I made a straight A. I think he gave it to me. <laughs> he was trying to win me over, so he gave me a straight A. But uh, he was going over all the alphabet agencies that I think it was Roosevelt established and so forth. So he was always giving acrostics for things and so forth. So anyway, one day after we married, I came in the door and I said something to him that was corrective. And he gets up and he walks into the bedroom. So I walk in there. I said, what's going on? You know, I walk in the bedroom and he's lying on his back on the bed with his hands up in the air and his feet up in the air. And he's just saying, call me T-O-M-B, T-O-M-B. I said, I said, what does T-O-M-B mean? He said, turtle on my back, turtle on my back. <laughs> so, so I made him feel defenseless. And so here he, here's this big guy. And here I am, you know, trying to turn him over, you know, and we started laughing and having a good time and so forth. But that was another little lesson for me when I was on him about something, it made him feel defenseless. Unfortunately, he used a humorous way to teach me that lesson. So I think of that sometimes when I'm uh, wanting to correct him, uh, not in a good way. Number three, he wants you to know that he prefers questions over commands. So there are times you have to ask him, say, dear, you need to wash the car. I cannot even see out of the windshield. You've got to wash the car. <laughs> Instead of saying that and commanding him, you could say something. Do you think it's time to wash the car yet? I can't see out of the windshield. <laughs> or So ask a question. You have to rephrase the things you want to tell him and rephrase it into a question instead of a command. So there is a way to get your point across. You just have to have wisdom and know how to do it. So change your question, your command into a question. Number four, he wants you to know that he doesn't want you to pick lint off his jacket in public. Or in other words, don't be his mother. Or don't brush off his dandruff in public. So if you need to take care of something in private, uh, just like he doesn't even notice, but don't don't be his mother to him. He, he doesn't. He had one and that was a wonderful occasion. Uh, but now he wants you to be his wife. Number five, he wants you to know that he doesn't like to be nagged or badgered. So just pray for him. God can change him better than you can change him. And then when God changes him, it's a permanent change. When we change, or if he just changes for us, he might forget and go back to that. So pray for him. Actions, not words, will change him. I love this phrase by Hudson Taylor. It says, learn to move man through God by prayer alone. So I have to remind myself of that uh, because I think I have to fix everything. And if something is not going quite right, I think I need to fix it. And surely he wants to know. But we need to learn to move man through God by prayer alone. And remember this, Proverbs 27, 15 says, A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. So just that continual drip, 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 it just wears on him after a while. And we don't want him to come to that breaking point uh, where an unkind word is said or a temper is lost or something like that. Uh, so let's make sure we're not that. Uh, even when you pray, when you're praying for your husband, uh, 
Don't be thinking bad thoughts about me. Dear Lord, please help my husband to pick up his clothes off the floor. Dear Lord, please help my husband not to be late again. Dear Lord, please help my husband to be kind. Dear Lord, please. And you know, by the time you finish praying, you're mad at him because you've been thinking of all these bad things you want to pray about. So I quit doing that early on in my marriage and I just pray generally for my husband. God help my husband to live biblically. And that covers everything. And God knows what that is. And God knows what he needs to fix. And God can fix him. And so I don't need to, even with those specific, you know, those little nitty gritty details that aggravate us, God knows all about it. And God can fix all of that. Number six, he wants you to know that he doesn't want you to interrupt him or to over talk him. You know, Sometimes my husband is saying something and something pops in my head and I said, I got to say it. I don't want to forget. If I don't say it right now, I'm going to forget it. Or, or maybe he's talking generally and we need to get to the bottom line. I'm a bottom line person. I said, we got to get to the bottom line. So interrupt. He doesn't like that. We were with a couple one time. Actually, it was a couple's retreat. It was the pastor and his wife far, far away. And I noticed he was talking and then his wife would start talking louder and so uh, I thought, oh, she's she should know better. <laughs> we went back the next year to the same church, same couples retreat or the, the, the next year's couples retreat. And he started talking and then she started talking. And she had good things to say. It was good things to say. And she started talking over him. But I noticed this year he kept talking and started talking louder than she was talking. So he had learned she was going to interrupt but he was just going to try to talk louder than she was talking. And it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. I said, oh, she's not getting it. Can she see what he's doing? So let's be careful that we're not over talking or interrupting our husband. Number seven, he wants you to know that he wants you to be dependent on him. Now, you may be very capable of whatever it is that you have to do. But he does want to be the leader in the family. That was That's God's plan. So ladies, sometimes we might need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? This marriage is not about me. It's about him. It's about him. Most importantly, it's about God, but it's about him. So what can I do to make him look good? It's not about making me look good. But what can I do to help him? Number eight, he wants to be able to correct us. He wants to be able to correct us and give us his opinion without our getting offended. So we've been talking about how we're not supposed to uh, give him our opinion. And now we're saying, no way, but he can give his opinion about me and so forth. Uh, isn't this a two-way street? Uh, but we have to remember Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. And we, we just need to die to self. Now, my husband over there, he's telling them to die to self. And he's telling them that this is a two-way street. And he's telling them, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. But I'm telling you uh, that we need to just die to self. And... Um, not get offended if he corrects us or if he gives us suggestions or if he gives us a command instead of a question and so forth. All right. Uh, we are made to be our husband's helpmate. That's what God made us. And we will be very fulfilled when we meet that requirement that God has for us. 
The major way that we can be his helpmate that God created is to meet his sexual needs. And I want to just briefly touch on that. If we don't meet them, then he will withdraw and not be the husband, the leader, the Christian that God intended for him to be. I was reading a book, a Christian counselor wrote this book, and he said when he starts counseling couples that have marital problems, he'll talk to the man first, and then he'll talk to the lady next, and then he'll talk to them together. So he said one of the questions when he's talking to the man first, he will ask the man, he says, well, how often do you have sexual relations? And most often the man will say something like this, well, hardly ever two or three times a week. And then later, <laughs> he'll be talking to the lady and he'll ask her the same question. He'll say, how often do you have sexual relations? And she'll say something similar to this all the time, two or three times a week. But that just shows the way that we think about it differently, that men just have that need and God made them that way more so than us. And so if we don't meet that need, he'll withdraw. So it's very important that we meet that need. Here are nine symptoms of withdrawal in a marriage. Number one, <clears throat> or A, whichever one you have, loss of verbal communication, where he quits talking to you. Maybe he's talking to everybody else, but not talking to you. Letter B, loss of eye contact. So maybe when you approach, he doesn't even look up. Maybe he's reading the paper and he doesn't even look up. Um, remember when you were first dating and you just loved to look into each other's eyes? And uh, we had, a, of course, you know, we work with Christian college kids, uh, 18 to 22 and so forth. Uh, so, you know, when they first fall in love and they're googly eyed with each other. I had one of our Chinese girls one day. She's from China. <clears throat> she said, Mrs. R. I guess she wasn't used to this. She said, these couples standing around, they're not touching, but they're kissing each other with their eyes. <laughs> that was the way she described it. But you know, as married people, we need to do that. Don't get away from that. Sometimes we get away from that the longer we're married. But we they need that. And we need that to be googly, googly eye. Kiss them with, their, with your eyes uh, so that we don't lose that eye contact. Letter C, loss of physical contact. So no hand-holding, just the, the little hugging. Or maybe you just do it in public and not at home. Uh, that means he's withdrawing if there's no physical contact. Letter D, loss of humor and energy. So maybe he has humor and energy around other people at church. Uh, maybe when we're in the group, we're laughing and having a good time. And then when you get into your room, does all go quiet? There's no humor, no energy there. When you get to church, everybody's happy. He's happy. He's talking. You get in the car and close the door. It's just quiet. A loss of humor and energy around you. Letter E, isolation. Maybe they just get home and then they go to the garage and tinker in the garage or they just get lost in their email. They just want to be alone. They're just pulling away. Letter F, displacement of affection. Maybe he's very affectionate with the family pet, with the dog, or with the children. Uh, sometimes that happens. That's a real cause of problems and why people get divorced after being married 20, 30, 40 years. The kids are out of the home now. So they have nothing. So let's make sure if he's a displacement of affection, that's a red flag. Uh, letter G, loss of courtesy. Maybe he becomes somewhat of a bear, just being irritable. Because frustration is lurking right below the surface. A man who's not having his sexual needs met is very frustrated. And we need to help him with that. Uh, letter 
H, deception about their emotional state, or number eight, deception about their emotional state. The only time that many Christian couples ever lie to each other is in the area of their feelings. Are you upset? No, I'm okay. Are you all right? I'm fine. You know, when really we're not, or he's not. So let's make sure we're not lying about that and being deceptive about it. Uh, but let's be honest. Honesty is the soul of trust, and trust is the bedrock of friendship and intimacy. So let's be honest about that. And then number nine, strange bedtime alterations shows that he's withdrawn. Maybe the withdrawn man will come home and just go to sleep on the couch and stay there until it's time to go to bed. And his wife drags him up to the bed and he just falls back asleep. Or maybe he'll just go to bed and not even tell you goodnight. Uh, just some strange bedtime alterations. So if any of those are true, uh, we need to, those are red flags and we need to do something about it. Uh, you know, as Christian ladies, we are praying for our men to be good Christian leaders. We want them to serve the Lord. We want them to follow the Bible. We want them to be the head of our home. But sometimes we're shooting ourselves in the foot because we're hindering them from becoming that because they are frustrated and distracted because we're not satisfying them. When our husband leaves the house every morning, he should be totally satisfied because when he leaves, he's seeing billboards with very immodestly clothed people. He's seeing people at work that are dressed immodestly. He's going where people are nice to him and accepting of him. And so if he's not totally satisfied, then we are hurting ourselves. We're praying for him to be a strong Christian, but we're the ones who are keeping him from being that because we're not meeting his sexual needs. So that is a physical part of our relationship that really is very spiritual. And so we need to, as Christian ladies, make sure that our husband's sexual needs are met. If a man has withdrawn and shown any of these signs, surprise him with a big kiss. It is a bizarre truth that for a withdrawn man, deep kissing is more intimate than sex. The wall will come tumbling down. So your assignment when you get home tonight Give him a big kiss and see what happens. The wall will come tumbling down. <laughs> this is our couples retreat, the end of the couples retreats. That's the grand finale. Okay. So, and that will help him more spiritually than almost anything else you can do. It'll help him physically. It'll help him emotionally. It'll help him, help him relationally. That's the way God made it. So God loves it. And so we should love it. So let's make sure we're taking care of that. All right. Now, a man wants us to know that he also has emotional needs. You know, this is a hard world. They're going out into the world. Uh, there are tough times out there. Men are trying to make a living for the family. Uh, and it's hard. It really is. So they have emotional needs as well. I was reading about um, a man named Viktor Frankl. He was in the Holocaust and he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And he shared this account of when he was in the concentration camp. He said that one night, of course, they woke up all the men. It was a very freezing cold night, ice, and they had them out picking the ice. And you know how they would just do those mindless things just to demoralize them. So here they are all just shivering and freezing, picking on the ice. 
uh, just exhausted, ill, uh, discouraged. Hardly anybody was talking. And finally, one of the emaciated men whispered, if our wives could see us now, I do hope they are better off in their camps and don't know what's happening to us. And everybody was just silent. And this Mr. Frankel, who wrote the book, he said, each of us was thinking of his wife. He said, I looked up at the sky where the stars were fading and the pink light of the morning was beginning to spread behind a dark bank of clouds. But my mind clung to my wife's image, imagining it with an uncanny acuteness. I heard her answering me, saw her smile, her frank and encouraging look. Real or not, her look was more luminous than the sun that was beginning to rise. I understood how a man who has nothing left in this world still may know bliss, be it only for a brief moment, in the contemplation of his beloved. Isn't that awesome to think when your husband is out there in this dog-eat-dog world, that if he can think of you at home, He's getting a refreshment from that. That's helping him emotionally to be able to carry on. Uh, and isn't that a wonderful thing that we can help meet that need? Although I conquer all the earth, yet for me, there's only one city. In that city, there's only one house. And in that house, one room only. And in that room, a bed. And one woman sleeps there. The shining joy and jewel of all my kingdom. And that's what your husband wants to think of you that you are the shining joy and jewel of all his kingdom. So meet his emotional needs as well. Another thing he wants you to know that he has relational needs. Now we make relationships different. We women, we like our kindred spirit friend, um, or we call them our soulmate, our friend, our lady friends that we, you know, we talk about and, you know, we just have that kindred spirit. Men make relationships because they do things together. They go golfing together with their buddies. They go fishing together with their buddies and so forth. So that's how they make relationships. So we need to go into their world and do things with them. So if we're going to have good relational, uh, help him meet his relational needs, we need to go sit in the garage while he's tinkering in the garage just to be there, uh, just to be with him. Uh, go fishing with him and sit there and uh, ward off alligators. I don't know. What do y'all have down here <laughs> to do that? Uh, one time my husband, I was running around in the house and getting everything done. He said, come sit right here. Come, come just sit here. He said, you're being a workaholic. And I thought, well, I'm not a workaholic. I'm just getting it done. But in his eyes, I was being a workaholic. I was just working and I wasn't spending any time with him. So now I get my basket of clothes to fold and I go sit in the same room he's in and fold my clothes, not in another room, just to be in the same place. Men like that. So that's another little tip. Uh, in Genesis, God said it's not good for man to be alone. In Ecclesiastes 4, the Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. So we need to meet his relational needs. Just be there with him. And then, you know, we just need to surrender. Let's go home waving the white flag. You know what surrender means when you wave the white flag? It's an internationally recognized protective sign of truce or ceasefire. Maybe we need to have a ceasefire in our home. Maybe there's been too much going back and forth. And so let's wave that white flag of surrender. It's a request for negotiation. So maybe we need to sit down and talk about some things we've learned. Uh, not that you're going, a white flag signifies to all that an approaching negotiator is unarmed. 
with an intent to surrender or a desire to communicate. So that's what we need to do when we go home on our way home today. Uh, say, you know, God, God, I want to surrender to you and tell your husband, you know, I want to. Let's talk about this. What can we do? What is it that's that the devil has used to come in and have a barrier where he's withdrawn, you've withdrawn, things are not quite as they should be. And uh, I know William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said the greatness of a person's power is in the measure of their surrender. So we think when we surrender, we're losing ground, but we're not really. We're gaining ground with God and we're gaining ground with our husbands if we will just surrender to what God has for our lives. You know, Proverbs 31 is a description of the virtuous woman, but the husband is mentioned three times. A, a husband is mentioned three times in Proverbs 31. And in verse 23, it says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. And back in the Bible days, the people, the men who sat at the gates, they were the leaders of the city. People would come to them for counsel. They were uh, looked up to. And so a virtuous woman, her husband was known in the gates when he sat among the elders of the land. She had been able to build him to honor him, to believe in him, uh, to trust him, to respect him, to love him, so that he had risen to the status of a person that people would look to as a leader and would, would look to and say, that's a good Christian, that's a great Christian, and I want to learn from them. And ladies, that's what we can do. We can love our husband enough, trust him enough, believe in him enough, respect him enough, meet his needs enough so that God can elevate him in the eyes of others as well as in the eyes of God. And that's what we want. That, that should be our goal. So let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, help us to uh, obey your word. Thank you that you did give us clear guidelines of what we can do to be a good wife and a good Christian. Help us to live biblically. In Jesus' name, amen.